are back with a bang. It's the CBS Sports State of Combat podcast with the Brian Campbell. And it's coming at you hot. It is coming at you heavy. It's coming with the boxing show. Back at you. Back with a bang. Ready to rock. Ready to riff. Let's riff a bit on boxing. Thank you, Rich. Thank you so much. Your boy BC coming at you. Feels like it's been a while. It's been about eight, nine, ten days, something like that. But we are back. BC in the house, ready to get you fired up for the week to come. For Kovnachki Areola. We've got some big time guests today. Hey, we've got Rafe Bartholomew coming at you. So why don't you get ready to revisit some of his collaborations he is a new york times best-selling author he is the boxing features writer on the athletic he speaks to galog he's rafe bugs Um, baby, Bugs, you're gonna have to carry me today, Bugs. I'm I don't I don't have the the performance enhancing levels of to provide the audio this week. You got you got the juice to 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 pick up the back end on that. You bet. Oh, absolutely. I, I I'm gonna get all up in that back end, and you better believe that I am PEA'd out. I am juiced out. I got the Diana ball. I got the HGH. I got everything you need. I talked to Memo and I talked to Conti, and and anything that you could find coursing through the veins of anyone in the heavyweight division, <laughs> that's in my body right now. Let's talk Dylan White. Oh, we will. We will, Dwyer. We will get into that. First, a disclaimer. Uh, the opinions that you share are actually your own, and we want to hear those opinions with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever. You, you know the drill at this point, all right? Spread the love forward. What do we have today? We got a big show, and we got some fun interviews. The son of greatness, Rafe, on this show today. Young Holy. Thank you. That's me. Thanks. My dad appreciates that. Oh, hey, you know, yeah, you were good friends. I love your daddy. Uh, Evan Holyfield, he calls himself Young Holy, son of Evander, turning pro under the main events uh, promotional team. 154, no pro debut yet, but you're going to hear from him today. Real good kid, he sounds like. Love talking about his dada with him. Hey, Rafe, we also have a great interview coming your way for a sloppy fight this week, and I mentioned it. We got Polish power in the house. Wake up, Polish Twitter. It's the babyface assassin. It's Adam Kovnatsky. By the way, collaborated with him at uh, Fox's uh, PBC face-to-face. Did you happen to catch that episode by any chance? Brian, I was not even aware that you recorded that. Okay, okay. You heard about the episode. Sounded boring. Okay, yeah. Everybody talk about it the next day. Still sounded boring. Um, You know what? It wasn't boring. Him and Ariola, by the way. It wasn't boring at all. And I think I kind of fell. You know, they say don't fall for... what? What is the old boxing adage? Don't fall for a dad a body. That... who no longer exists i think kovnatsky still exists i kind of fell for him good dude just loves to bang like what what else could we ask out of a man at this point rave it's true and after the fight after he's done banging he will announce he will grab the mic and say i have announcement my wife and me we have baby we have we have baby we have it we have it yes uh very very nice man interesting fight 
We're going to talk about that as Do well. Do you think so? I'm interested in that take. You don't think that's going to be a, a a a fun little piece of business there, Rafe? You don't you don't think it's going to like give us a little bit of feels, a little bit of something here? Nothing. I I think that uh, if Kaunaski can't send Chris Ariola to some deep dark place at this point in their respective careers, uh, then he can probably stop getting Polish boxing Twitter to advocate for his shot at Deontay Wilder. Well, I will have you know that during Fox's PBC face-to-face, check your local listings, uh, Adam Kovnatsky told me when I said, what's this fight going to look like? He said, Gotti Ward, Rafe. He used words like okay. Gotti Ward. Okay, I guess. I, does your, your is Ariola thoughts. down for that at this point in his career? Ariola said, "Hell yeah, bro! I don't know any other way to fight." Okay, then I guess I guess we're looking at Gotti Ward four on Saturday. I'm excited now. You you talked me into it. What can I say? Would you say that we are guaranteed though? Guaranteed in that fight for for one thing to happen, Rafe? Uh, what would that thing be? Come on, man. Actually, uh, Ariel is in really good shape under Joe Goosen. He's with he's with the goose that I can get down with. So I, are we are we thinking it will be more of a Gotti Ward or a Corrales Castillo? Oh, hey, wow. I'll, ju- I'll just take some sloppy action. All right. Because, you know, I like them extra sloppy. I made them extra sloppy. All right, lady, you're scaring me. Uh, Rafe, uh, tell me about your life, friend. How How is the athletic? Bro, how how are things? Going that sounded boring. Oh. Read it all the next day. Still sounded boring. Hey, I'm no, in on your back, Rafe. It's a, it's, I am it's a you're, it's you're, a tug and war of kindness every day. It's a tug and war of box. And I'm in a couple months already, and I still don't think that boxing is full of ish, man. Wow, wow. I used to love this sport. That is true. Um, I've been um, noticing your bag. You took the, your, your old uh, Respect Box newsletter and kind of made it a weekly-ish thing uh, the, called the Speed Bag. Is that correct? Is that, is that correct? That is correct. You have a little bit of fun with the bag. You play with it. You win combinations on the bag. Apparently, I can handle your seed, son. I'm really liking this story each week, Rafe. It's it's making me laugh. I feel like you are educating me on those like parts of the boxing universe that I just don't have the time to to get to. That's I I I think that's probably the best description of it. That's really sort of the service. That is a service that I provide, and that our subscribers. That is a service that they have. And where else um, are you gonna get? That kind of let service. Me, well, but let me tell you, package. Brian. Yeah, I mean, where you know, who who else? Who in boxing is going to put their their nuts on the line for for uh, three ninety nine a month, Rafe? So we can get. <laughs> I would I would I would charge more if I were putting my nuts on the line okay, for that kind okay. of for, for that sort of situation. But the little behind the scenes story: the, the the speed bag name came from came from. I was including that Freddie Roach video in the very first. Uh, I was going to use that as the title for the bullet point section of the column. But then when it came to naming the column, we didn't have any ideas. And so I, – and and I said, well, we could call it Respect Box if you're down with that. And they're like, maybe we don't want that. So all the all the true heads from Respect Box get in there. Let them know. Let them know they, they effed up. 
but it's still it's still all love because that's how we ended up with the speed bag. We needed a name quick, and that was good enough to impress somebody. All right, thank you for the horny exclusive, Rafe. A hot on day for sure. I like that you call it the speed bag, Rafe. By any chance, do you play fantasy football? No. Okay. Well, I'm. I would tell you to get ready for your fantasy football draft. And a I'm great... planning to start, Brian. I'm okay, you should. Start. You should start that. A great way to do that. A great way to check it out and get ready for your draft is by checking out the CBS Sports Fantasy Football Today podcast, Rafe. When should you listen? How about today? How about sticking that in your ear hole? Our fantasy team is recording an episode every weekday from now until the end of the year. Sleepers, breakouts, busts. Wow. What is this, some kind of bust? Well, yeah, it's very impressive. Mock drafts on the air. Listener interaction via email and Twitter. Rafe, it's the best way to win your league. Not yours, because you don't have one, but anyone else's, yes. Subscribe to the Fantasy Football Today podcast anywhere you get fine audio and tell them BC sent you. Uh, Rafe, we once heard from Keith Thurman that it's all about the lube. In your personal life, have you found that to be true? I think that that depends on the situation, but okay. it's certainly a good idea. It's a good idea. All right. All right. Thank you. Um, you got any other things you want to bring up before we get into the meat of this show? Uh, you got you got nothing for me? Nothing? I, Brian, I, you know that my favorite food is meat, and I eat steak every day. Yes. So yes. let's do this. All right. All right. Let's do this. Uh, before we do this, though, I do have one more little piece of business I mean, that's how men do it. That's how men deal. That's how men roll. He ain't a man. You're right, but we are. So before we get into the show, let's hear a word from our friends and sponsors. Dig it. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. All right, we're back. BC, Rafe Boogs coming right at you. Big interviews to come with Young Holy and Kovnatsky. But for now, Rafe, we got some things we got to mop up, clean up, review, recap, talk about. Um, Let's bang the gong right now. A trio of boxing deaths since I think the last time you and I really broke things down. Of course, it was Pernell Whitaker first, the great Hall of Famer, uh, a couple weeks back. But, Rafe, the two in-ring deaths that we've seen over the past week plus. Wow. Uh, Maxim Dadashev. And do you remember the name of the second fellow off the top of your head? Yes, uh, Hugo Santillan. Yes. Santillan. Um, Rafe, I don't want you to tell me... uh, you know, what, how do we change the sport to prevent this? Because I think we're both on the same track. You know what I mean? You kind of know what you're signing up for here. Boxing is a hood sport, right? Like, I mean, this is what it is. But in all seriousness, with full respect, how do you personally deal with this? I don't think we talk yeah. about this enough. As a fan journalist in this sport, how do you deal with this? Well, it's true. This And, and for me, this was the first time in my sort of boxing life that I've uh, that a ring death or ring deaths in this case occurred when I fully am making a living off of the sport. Like I am now employed as a boxing writer. I'm not sort of 
tiptoeing, tap dancing around on the periphery of the sport, having fun doing podcasts just for the heck of it. Like the now, now I am uh, implicated at another, you know, on another level. Um, look, how do I deal with it? I deal with it the like uh, not in any particularly meaningful or productive way. I, I compartmentalize. You know, I, I got, I basically am overwhelmed and overworked like everyone else on the planet probably not as bad as most other people on the planet. I don't have time to feel almost anything. So I guess it makes it easier to power through a couple of tragedies because uh, I can barely, you know, I can barely take enough time to sleep and eat and breathe, let alone sit around feeling bad about stuff, uh, which is not a very optimistic or productive view but that's kind of that was my experience yeah that was pretty that was that was not optimistic at all but I, I do understand what you're saying um I don't know Rafe I've really I've struggled with this like a lot of people you know like this is the sport that we love this is our profession in a lot of ways but I don't think it ever gets easier it's not the first ring death we've seen in, in recent years in modern times it's not like we're new to the idea that this could happen but there's just really no words to make it all feel better to make it to make our role in this sport feel more justified or or be okay with it i mean is, do you just have to get to that point where it's like it's in play it's part of the deal it's possible everyone's signing up for this everyone's complicit with this and we move on i mean that is true i think it's still valuable to one i think e- even if you're never going to remove the possibility of serious brain injury, of life-changing injury, of of death in the ring or shortly thereafter from the sport, it is always uh, an important exercise to you know look back at, at those situations, look back in general at the system every time, you know, and not just when it happens, but always be looking for ways to promote the best fighter safety you can that that, that you can get. Um, and I don't – I think there were definitely more – I mean, Santillan was on suspension from a, a fight he had in uh, Germany uh, less than two months ago. So that's a fight that you can look at and say, well, this fight never really should have happened. Where, where, where did the system go wrong? The Dadishev fight was, by the way. was really one – what's that? Just to cut you off for a second, I mean the, the Santillan one, the kid's just 23 and gets, yeah. a, gets a clot in his brain. I mean that's that's – that's tough. That's tough. It's yeah, yeah, of course it's it's awful. Um but so I think it look, it's worth always looking for ways to improve and do better and and make this uh, what is a dangerous sport as safe as possible for for the people who risk their lives to go participate in it. Um personally, I I I am of the sort of viewpoint that unless I have some special insight into the condition or the experience of of the parties involved I'm not going to speak on it a lot in in terms of writing you know putting out public uh, announcements proclamations uh, like that's I don't know that people always appreciate people they've never met or known being like oh wow I'm, I feel so bad. And it's like, well, who the hell are you? You have no, you, you don't feel bad. I feel bad because this tragedy happened in my family. Like I, I, I kind of prefer to, to give more distance. Um, but everyone deals with things in their own way and you kind of just have to 
reflect, you know, don't totally, um, don't, don't totally let it, let, let a moment or a tragedy like that pass without th- reflecting on it a little bit and trying and whether it makes you value your time that you spend with your own loved ones, whether it's, uh, makes you change the way you think about boxing or it means you, you don't go on Twitter and crap all over somebody for one day. Um, <laughs> You know, whatever, whatever that get not, you don't have to turn it into a positive. There is no positive, there is but none. try, you know, use, use that, use, use these tragedies. If you can grow from them, try to. Yeah. Well said, Rafe. I did want to kind of put you on the spot and just get how you absorb this. And it's not that, uh, you know, how we react to it matters. And what matters is the fighters' families and the fighters themselves and, and the teams and, and close to them. But, you know, this is one of those things where every time it happens, you stop and you go, hmm, what am I doing here? What's my role in this? And to have two in the same week and, and it, yeah, it's tough. It, it, it really is, Rafe. Uh, th- thanks for, for being real with me for a second there. All right. You know, you have sense. Um, it's important to do that. It just, it when makes thing, me, when... Yeah. And it, it, the, the biggest sort of um, tough thing for me is, is how often we cheer for for we wish we lust for brawls. Right. This is what we want. We want guys to get concussed and get back up and put it all on the line, brother. And and effing get inside on him like that's what we want. And and then we get too close to that fire and somebody gets burned and it's. It's tough. It really is. At the same time, I don't want to see drastic safety measures that unnecessarily water down the sport. It's still a fight. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, and, and look, if there were safety measures that if, if commissions, doctors, you know, whether it's the ABC, the American Boxing Commission, the Association of Boxing Com- Commissions uh, or individual state commissions, if they're if they can come up with reforms that that really help then yeah i'm all in favor of that often what you see is that a commission where something bad happens where there's a tragedy you see the sort of what what feels from the outside and i hate to be so cynical is a um a reform that's more about optics a reform that is like well we're going to make it look like there's a lot of safeguards in place when you're watching the fire you're like well no this is still not you haven't really addressed some of the core issues you're just having a doctor walk into the, like put his stick his head in the in in the corner one three extra times per fight and and nothing ever comes of it I right i mean you know you can stick your head in a wrong time <laughs> wrong wrong time for that all right rafe um yeah no obviously r.i.p to those involved and and you know and sweet Pete whitaker too tough one to take i know it's been a few weeks now but uh revisit his collaborations rafe wow He's like the he's like the hidden pay-per-view star or crossover star in the modern era that like gets kind of pushed down historically, right? Like it's Floyd, Oscar, Tyson, uh, Manny, and and Roy Jones, but yet like Whitaker always seemed to be like a step down from that. When in reality, ability-wise, good God, he's right there, you know? Of course, right there, ability-wise and career-wise. I don't, I wasn't following closely enough at the time to to, to have a great theory on why. His, you know, his star didn't take off in quite the same way, and it's boxing. I mean, it's 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 a crapshoot. Often, there, think of all the great great fighters who don't ever get into any pay per view situation. It, it is a little bit of just, 
what the hell happens. You watch you, you anyone who uh, hasn't revisited his collaborations could could go back and watch it. Be like, what the hell? I, this guy is aw-. like not only amazing. He's he's just yeah. He, he's so much fun to watch and so such a great great fighter. Um, I will say that. Chavez Whitaker was the first pay-per-view I remember getting into. I'm yes, sure nice. there had to have been a Tyson fight before then that, that when I was younger. But this is the one that I remember sitting there on the floor. I think it was right after my family got cable for the first time. Um, and just my like like my dad being so pissed off that Whitaker was robbed, just going crazy over it. It was, it, I mean, I, 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 I yeah, it was, and it's a special memory for me, even though Whitaker did get robbed. Did, did uh, Jeffrey Bartholomew sound like this by any chance? It was an effective robbery. It's still a robbery. It's a robbery. Maybe, maybe. A little bit, you know, when he, especially when he sings the lime and the coconut song, he, he yes. a lot of Teddy comes out yes, in those moments. Absolutely, but uh, you know, it's weird. It, a lot of us have boxing connections through our dads. My dad wasn't a sports fan, still isn't, but boxing was like probably the closest we ever connected and watched on our illegal black box pay per views. In um, you know, my my dad memory on that is uh, is is of course always going to be the bite fight Tyson Holyfield uh, two, where I, my dad stood up. Walked right up to the screen, pointed at it, and let out like fifty-seven thousand f words at Tyson, like in the in the idea of like you son of a bitch, he needs to be arrested now, he needs to be killed. Like I never saw him get that passionate about anything like that ever. I'll never forget that. Yes. So, so Brian, uh, are you saying that that the sport of boxing, there's something different, something special about the relationship <laughs> between fathers and sons when it comes to boxing? Do you think has anyone ever? Looked into that, or well, somebody wrote or a good book about uh, about bo- the connection between Irish bars and fathers and sons. But uh, I don't think there was much boxing in that. But yes, uh, Mark Kriegel, he's look, it's his corner. All right, it's his corner. Thank you very much. Don't tinkle with his finkel. All right, let's get into the show. Rafe, this weekend gave us uh, plenty of fights worth talking about, and the most star-studded seemed to be Gervonta Davis, Showtime, Homecoming, Baltimore, Rafe. I was there in that arena, okay? I know what it felt like. I know what it smelled like. You heard Jimmy. It smelled like weed. I'll tell you that much. I know what it tasted like. Did you feel what was coming out of that arena? Did you get to rub it anywhere on your body, preferably your gums? Rafe, please tell me that I didn't experience this thing in a silo. Did you feel well, you it? Didn't, you didn't experience it in a silo, Brian. You experienced it with close to 15,000 other people. That's an amazing experience. I'm glad that, that, that you got to be a part of what sounded like an amazing atmosphere. But no, Brian, I didn't feel any of that. I'm watching on a, a laptop screen. I can't feel any of that. I believe it. I know it to be true. I, I'm not doubting that it was a, a like that Baltimore really came out to support Javante Davis and and people have been and and that's not a surprise because he's been a draw all up and down the East Coast with people from Baltimore traveling to watch his fights. So yeah, Brooklyn, Javante in Brooklyn brings noise. Exactly, exactly. So um, I, I think that's great that he has that draw that he has that he's 
sort of crossing over in that way when in a way, you know, really before his he's really had a chance to have the kind of fights that traditionally we think of as the crossover fights. That's awesome. That means there's even more ceiling for him to go from there. But no, I wasn't there and it was a dumb fight. So no. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? It was a mandatory defense. And I at least was happy that he fought a guy with power and with balls and, and a mandatory defense of a belt that, they made up for him. I mean, okay, the fight sucked. Let's be really honest. But here's the deal: this fight was not about him finally getting that career-defining fight. We thought it may have been Mars, didn't happen. This was more about really the extension of of his brand. And and is he actually the next big thing? Like, is this a real thing? I know Floyd can come out afterwards and be like, he's a pay-per-view star in waiting. Like, next fight, pay-per-view. Like, we, we'll talk about that. But really, uh, let me put it to you like this. I had a competing opportunity there. I cover three sports for CBS Sports, okay? Sometimes I'll go to Showtime boxing fights, work the undercard for Showtime, the countdown show, and then sometimes go back to the hotel room and write UFC recaps because that night for our site, that might be the biggest traffic getter. In terms of Google searches this past weekend, Gervonta Davis destroyed UFC. Like, it's he's becoming a thing, you know. When he fought Hugo Ruiz in March in L.A., you had the 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 Drakes, the Meek Mills, the Odell Beckhams, you know, you had them turning out for him. Um, Birdman, Birdman, respect, respect, yeah, Birdman. Yeah. Um, I don't know Birdman who we had from, in Baltimore. From New Orleans. Besides fighter guys, uh, I don't know if Kyle Ripken was there. I didn't see him, but um, what I'm trying to say here, Rafe, is he's a thing. Obviously, the next thing to say is, okay, we'll fight somebody already. We get that. For a crap mandatory, I was happy that Nunez had balls, that he came in there to win, that he had power. He tried to make it a fight and tried to win it. How impressed were you with what you saw physically? Forget the sound. Forget the forget the erects. Forget the feelings, the feels, the touches that I got for that pure crowd. And by the way, Rafe, it was a pure crowd. Do you know what that feels like? It's been a long time. I know people felt that in Omaha. You and I felt a taste of that in Fresno that time with Jose Ramirez. But the idea of a pure hometown crowd that's not there cheering because they got money on the fight. They're not there because they got free tickets from the casino. They're there to show up and support. It's so damn refreshing. Anyway, round and a half blows him away. What'd you sort of pick up from watching Gervonta? Um, uh, nothing new, Brian. He looked good. I still would like to see him in a meaningful fight, but he did what he had to do. He, it was, just, it was a great, it, it was exciting. Yeah, the finish was pretty exciting. I, the stoppage was bad, um, but not terrible. And I don't, I, the, I think the only frustration with Javante Davis, and this is not his fault in any way, but Every time he fights, I never learn anything about how good he really is. And somebody needs to step up and make a real fight. And and Abner Morris, I guess, is only an answer. I know that, that that's not going to happen. But when that was going to happen, I didn't love that either. That was just a fight for – and I, I, let me t- let me slow down. Yeah, slow I gave your, Abner credit because he always, he always does come to fight. I think he would have put in a good effort. He's got but great hair he's too. So, Great. Yeah, he's got lots of effort in the hair. Um, and I think that he was, you know, he's going to go, he, he, he was going to come in and give us uh, Abner Mara's performance, which I think would, it would be interesting compared to what we normally see from Gervonta, from Gervonta Davis opponents. But still, 
crazy to go from that to, oh, yeah, he's going to steamroll the rest of 130. Well, shoot, fight some of them. Yeah, I mean, look, look any anyone saying, like, I'll hold off on saying anything until he really fights somebody. I get it. It's We're waiting. He's waiting. Like, it's time. Uh, I did think this was a great night for his brand, great night for the idea of, hey, dear boxing, put more fights in home in people's hometowns. Go in that direction more. Let's get back to that. Let's get out of Vegas. I'm serious. Okay, you want to do the two biggest pay-per-views per, there, per year there? That's fine. Let's start getting out of Vegas, and let's go back to places where people will, will show up. Let's go back to being promoters and doing your job, okay, and promoting and making it happen and putting the right people on the crowd that will bring butts to the seats. That part was refreshing. But the idea of who will Gervonta face next, will we finally see him in a matchup that will learn something? I learned a little bit in this round of a half. I loved his patience and poise. He had an aggressive opponent coming at him. He didn't try to throw too much early. He was sort of downloading information and just trying to get closer and closer and closer. And then when he obviously started putting hands on him, the power is real. Uh, real quick on the stoppage. I actually liked it in the end. I had an argument with Paulie Malignaggi afterwards off camera. He, did, he didn't like it at all. And I get what he's saying. He's like, you can't get hurt in, in round two of a fight that badly. But here's the deal. The ropes held Nunez up twice. And that last left-hand punch was just flush. It was clear Nunez was, like, out on his feet. So Harvey Doc jumping in to grab him actually thought it was good to save him. And let's also be honest. We just talked about two ring deaths, one of them in the state of Maryland, Maxim Dadashev. So you get that if there's ever going to be a time where it will be a little bit quicker than normal, it would be this past weekend in Baltimore. But still with that said, I thought Harvey Doc made the right call. I know there's people saying, oh, you can jump in and still do a standing A count. He looked out on his feet. Yes, right. that is, that's the correct call. Okay, but he looked. go in and, and rule a knockdown. It wasn't like, it, it should have been ruled a knockdown. That's he the call. He looked out, Rafe. As soon as, he, as soon as Harvey Doc grabbed him, he looked over to the side like, what the hell just happened? Right, it's it that it, it, it woke him back up. It's sort of like what the hell? Is, I don't know. In the moment, my personal take, I thought it was fine, given the all all the circumstances that are going on. Yeah, it's also who really cares because like the guy's not getting out of that round in all likelihood. Uh, so well, I, I, it's hard to really get all up in arms about because it was a good enough stoppage. He, he was he, he was not I, Nunez was going to lose very soon. And all legitimate uh, points. The whole who the cares? Whole, <laughs> another legitimate point. Uh, the overall theme coming in was sort of like, OK, at 24, you're seeing a mature Gervonta Davis now. First time father, key to the city in Baltimore, all that stuff. And you could say that's all BS and that's fine. But I'm seeing a little bit more of a mature Gervonta Davis. Now, did he blow off the the fighter, the, the, the bro talent broadcast fighter meeting? Yes. Did he do it at the time of the last fight, too? Yes. So maybe we don't give him everything. But what I'm saying is I think he's sort he's of— He's making weight on the first try, though. That's, that's a good true. One. I think he's sort of starting to figure it out now, and it's a good thing to figure that out now before he does start really stepping up. I'm actually a little bit excited that he's not going out of his way to try to call out a Leo Santa Cruz or a Gary Russell right now. Two guys— that have called them out recently. And if they made either of those fights, obviously I'd be into it. But there's still be a part of some people going, why do you keep fighting blown up featherweights? You're one. You're a guy who's at 130 who's talking about a move to 35. Why are we going down? So in this case, Rafe, after that kind of win, which was a big showcase type deal, I like that he's trying to make business happen at 130, that he wants to have in Farmer in a unification, a fight that would be fun, a fight that would matter. What are your thoughts on Floyd Mayweather saying that's a pay-per-view bout? Um, it's not, 
it's I mean it can't you can put anything on pay-per-view. I don't know who's going to pay for it. Um I look good for Floyd. Floyd can say whatever he wants. I, I, I who would pay what, what what's the price on that? I don't know. I don't know. 20 bucks? He he you know, he sort of said it as like look like I know it's a gamble, but you know, it's it's he's saying it with the full confidence that he believes that Gervonta is ready to make that leap. So let's talk about this, Rafe. Of the players in the sport right now, the young guys who may have next in the post-Manny Floyd era, although it doesn't seem like that era is ever going to end, um, you know, heavyweights are potential pay-per-view guys, and we've already seen it happen. Certainly the elite welterweights are pay-per-view guys. Is Gervonta a, a, a pay-per-view fighter waiting to happen here? Like, is this really a thing? Do you think this is this is going to happen? This guy has the chance to be the next... I don't want to say the next Floyd, but I mean Floyd's role as the number one draw in the sport that Canelo currently holds. Does Gervonta have that chance in your eyes? Um, I, I guess in terms of the star power that he's already shown, yes. And that, that arguably is harder to achieve than the – at least uh, – that yeah, arguably that's harder to achieve than the levels of boxing that Floyd and Manny and – and Canelo have 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 arrived at and gotten to, but I, I it's hard to say because how 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 can you proclaim that before Tank has a fight that even begins to suggest that he's going to be able to take on that many a opponents and keep winning the way that those fighters do? If he can do that, sure. But if but but there's I, I, there's just no way to know. I have no clue. At all, what and there's not really you? any evidence in either direction. And that's a fair. That's a, look. It's a fair comeback. But what are your eyes telling you so far? That he knocks out jobbers. Okay. 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 I mean, look, we got to see him tested. We got to see somebody who's not going to get knocked out. We got to see somebody who can push him twelve rounds and see how great the boxing skills actually are. We got to see a lot of things out of him. We've never seen him in any kind of trouble. He's blown people away. And maybe really only had a couple real fights, right? I mean, the you're, you're certainly giving him credit for the uh, Pedraza. Pedraza fight. I guess you give him credit for Liam Walsh in England, but um, who? Okay, okay, against two. Yep, I got you. I got you. That's why I said I guess. But um, I don't know. I, I I started to ask myself, who's the last small weight guy to become a pay per view star? And I started thinking, well, it was Pacquiao. And I'm like, okay, Pacquiao didn't have giant charisma. Pacquiao won you over with the action. He won you over by going in there and knocking guys out or or, or putting that hurricane style on them. I think Gervonta's almost got more in common with Manny in terms of being a potential pay-per-view brand than he does Floyd. And I mean that as a compliment. I don't think they're the same fighter. I don't think Gervonta's as good as Manny. But he's a smaller weight guy who knocks people out who may... He's going to need the right fights first to launch him. I don't think he's going to come pay-per-view brand before he gets these defining fights. He needs one or two. He needs one or two of them. All right, champ, you've had enough pies. We need one or two. But if Manny could do it, I kind of feel like Gervonta could because he's got some certain already foundational elements of must-see in him. You know, it's not just Floyd vouching for him. It's sort of like in the in the African-American urban celebrity crossover community, he's a thing. So they start putting him in, in unifications, fights that matter, Gary Russell moving up, that kind of stuff. I, Rafe, I can't wait that his end game is most likely Vasily Lomachenko. 
I mean, that's his Mayweather-Pacquiao fight, more or less, down the road. Um, and that's and that's an interesting sort of point because there you have a fighter in Lomachenko who already is clearly great, out like just outstanding, uh, leading you know viewed by most I, the 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 preponderance of pundits to be the pound for pound best fighter in the world currently, and and a fighter who will be something of a star will headline, but is still not going not catching on probably just doesn't have the following in this country that Gervonta Davis already has while beating a bunch of guys who most boxing fans even some hardcore boxing fans probably had never seen fight before um so that and so you can't manufacture uh, a, a Thailand guy yeah you can't manufacture um star power and and people just given it crap when you fight and davis has that so in uh, so uh, on that level it's almost like he's halfway there he just has to live up to the other half in the ring which maybe that that might you could argue that's the easier part (laughs) does a tevin farmer fight move your needle unification absolutely that's a good fight i i think that i would probably favor davis in that fight but with the he's Davis is still remains so sort of untested that it's hard to say. Um, but it, that's that's a real fight. Yeah, I, I like Tevin Farmer, and Tevin Farmer is a guy is the kind of guy who doesn't cross over, resonate quite as much. hasn't had hasn't been sort of anointed as the chosen one in the same ways, and will be motivated to go in there and get and fight his ass off and and prove that that everybody was wrong. You should have been looking, you know up the turnpike to, to Philadelphia where, where he was the whole time, even though obviously Tevin Farmer has losses and all of these other things on his record that, that affect that, but he's gotten himself to this point. Yeah, that's, a, that's definitely a good fight. And there are other good fighters at 130 pounds too. Where he, I, my, right now, my favorite is Miguel Burchell. Wow, that'd be a fun fight. That would be a fun fight. Well, look, a lot of these fights, though, involve people on different networks. But what we saw this weekend in a fight we're going to talk about in a second, the Jose Ramirez-Maurice Hooker, that refreshing sort of idea that promoters and networks could work together, which Top Rank and DAZN, Matchroom, and ESPN, they're all kind of getting in bed and doing this trade-off, right? We saw Ramirez-Hooker on DAZN this weekend. We're going to see my my boy Luke Campbell against Loma on ESPN. Sharing of talent across networks. The problem, if you listen to Chris Mannix's podcast with Bob Arum and Eddie Hearn, and it was a good show, was that they don't believe PBC would play ball on that level. Um, PBC's probably going to have to, unless they want to just keep taking their 126s who have a name and put them in there to get knocked out by Gervonta. Look, I don't even think that those are bad fights for some of the 126 pound, 126, you know, 126 weight category guys. Uh, whether it's Gary Russell, whether it's Leo Santa Cruz, though Leo is big, wiry, tall guy. It's not that crazy to imagine, even though he, I know he fought at 122 earlier in his career and all those stuff. 118. He's a four division title holder, right? Shoot. Well, let him. Let, in any case, he he's he has a frame that that makes sense for that kind three of division, uh, yeah, yeah uh, raising going up in weight class. Those aren't bad fights. I'm not mad at them, even if they are. Even and, and I won't. I won't be here saying that you just beat a blown up 126er if if Javante Davis destroys them. If he does that, then damn, yeah, let's start talking about pay per view superstar because that means this guy can beat, can 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 knock out in perhaps 
world-class, real world-class competition. Um, so I wouldn't mind that. And do I think that PBC will play ball? In t- yes, in the right circumstances they have in the past. Everyone, look, this is the answer in all of these circumstances. And it's why I think it's, I kind of think it's BS when Top Rank and Matchroom this weekend are beating their chests about the great fight they made. It was a great fight. It might be fight of the year. Amazing fight. We'll talk about that in a minute. But you did it because it made sense at in the moment. That's what. That's the answer to everything, every decision that every boxing promoter or in PBC's case, whatever the hell they call themselves. That's what they. That's that's the that's how that's the decision. If it makes sense, if it seems like the right deal, if it's the right risk to take at the right time, they will do it. Yeah. If they if they decide it's not worth it, then they won't. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, if it makes dollars, it makes sense. Um, team Spence or it don't make sense. Indeed. I got a, got a boogie there. Wow. All right. We got that out of the way. Um, just the tip, just on the tip of me. I, I analyzed it. All right. Uh, Rafe, um, I don't know. It just felt, it felt good. It felt like something happened. There was a transaction this weekend with Gervonta. Let's, let's hope he now makes those transactions happen inside the ring. In that co-main event, Yuri Orcas Gamboa sent, washed Rocky Martinez to hell. Now look, people know I've been a Gambo guy for many years. Love me some Yuri Gamboa. They say don't fall in love with a fighter that no longer exists. Um, that performance enhancing audio listening, Yuri Gamboa from 2011, revisit the Solis fight. That's a guy I fell in love with. Yeah, he don't exist anymore. But I was really happy for Gamboa. Being ringside for that fight, seeing the pure joy and emotion, he sent Rocky Martinez to hell. Do I know that? not know that Rocky's washed? Of course I know. That's why I loved that fight. It was a sloppy Super Bowl. So when I tweet, which I did, a year ago at this time, Gamboa talking about fighting Wanma. Now he's talking about fighting Gervonta. Wow, good deal. I didn't mean Gervonta has got a chance to lose against Gamboa. No, he's going to send Gamboa to hell. But if we have to watch fights like Ricardo Nunez, I think Gamboa is a hell of an upgrade from that. If we can't get Tevin Farmer next, if we can't get Gary Russell Jr. next, I'm happy for Gamboa, even at 37, to get this opportunity. Rafe, there's some things he can still do well. Did you catch any of those same Cuban feels that I did in that victory? Yeah, yes, I did. I also am a, a longtime Gamboa man. I, and he looked pretty good. He didn't, he's there. He could come out and look sluggish. Look, I mean, look, revisit his collaboration with Darlis Perez. Yes. Nasty. Or when Castellanos knocked him out. That was a gross one, too. Yeah. So, um, and whoever, he had a comeback fight on an undercard in Turning Stone once. It was like a, the same night as Gabriel, Gabe Rosado had a, had a comeback fight and it was all just, just fugly. And so to see Gamboa, yeah, getting, uh, that knockout over, I think now we can proclaim Rocky Martinez done, stick a fork in him. He, he can't take a punch anymore. Um, and hey, that happens. Um, but he got bamboozled but still, by that speed. He had no, yeah. no, you know. You do, like Gamboa looked quick, fast, sharp in ways that you don't always see him. And if he can keep that up, if, he, if that version of Gamboa shows up against Gervonta Davis, yeah, I don't mind seeing that. Is it the best matchup for Davis at 130 pounds? No. no. But this do is we, boxing. Do we you don't get the best matchup. You get, you get something. Yes. And that's something I will put on my plate and 
eat with a smile. Riff, I'm getting killed on Twitter lately. I feel like I can't, even in 280 characters, I can't properly tell people what I'm actually thinking because whatever I type, they automatically take the other side of it. Riff, I'm on a, I'm on a tough road right now, you know, from that Thurman scorecard. I mean, I'm on, I'm on a, I'm on a, uh, and by the way, I still stand by that. I had lunch the other day with, uh, with, uh, Glenn Feldman of Avon, Connecticut. All right. Yeah, you guys were conspiring. You're no, thinking we, about we, the we next card you two are going to ruin together. We talked about the conspiracy of the the Avon the double Avon scorecard conspiracy. Um, yeah. No, no, no. I, I still stand by that score. Thank you very much. Does All he right. still stand by his? Of course, of course he does. He's not driving a new car. He's a great man. All right. Uh, yes. Uh, Getting hit behind the ear can make you drunk all night. Thank long. you, Teddy. All right, uh, Rafe. Good for Gamboa. Uh, let's talk about that zone fight. Jose Ramirez, Mo Hooker unifying titles at 140. We all love the idea of what it was in Hooker's backyard of Dallas. Hooker headlines galore. Jose Ramirez didn't just stop him. Put on a spectacular, fan-friendly performance in a physical-ass fight. I want to watch this in full. I've, I skimmed it to catch up. Oh, my God, Brian. Oh, my it God. It happened, Rafe. It is what it is. You watched, you ate it. T- tell me how it tasted, Rafe. It, it, the breeze was stupendous, Brian. It tasted like cherry pie on top of Twix with ice cream. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm talking about. Um, no, it was awesome. I don't like any of those things. Um, it was such a good fight, Brian. It was just, I mean, it was one of the, for an action fight, the perfect length where that, yeah, I said it, the perfect length, Brian. Uh, that's, uh, that, that's, that's what she, she's, yeah. Okay. Keep going. Um, right there and right there around six, if you know what I'm saying, maybe it could have gone a little longer. Um, and, uh, the back and forth, the momentum swings, the way it built to a climax, Brian, oh it God. was, I was just doing, the toes were curling up watching this fight. Maybe he, uh, he blew his wad early. Hey, you notice, did, did Brock the Boxing Bully actually end Load Watch? We never hit those buttons anymore, Rafe. Remember, I mean, it was an epidemic for a while. Are people not, not doing that anymore? I, I will speak it, believe it, receive it back into existence. It, it, it ain't over. The, the movement does not end. It may slow down, yeah. but it now will come back. Now that Ray Boom Boom Mancini is feeling himself. Somebody could clean up on aisle Ray's lap. Wow. All right, Ray. Okay, okay. Since you didn't watch this fight, Brian, let me explain to you a little of what happened in uh, Ramirez and Hooker. So, uh, Jose Ramirez... Obviously, he's giving up length and height to Hooker. Hooker is uh, not the he can he's he doesn't use that reach that crazy eighty inch reach that he has as a as a hundred and forty pound fighter. He doesn't really use it in the to to keep fighters away from. Him. We've seen him hit before. He he's not that hard to find, but he he throw he he gets so much nice whipping torque and leverage on those punches. He throws some nasty right hands and they were trading them back and forth. I mean, really really uh really exciting stuff in the second round Ramirez was able to get Hooker on the ropes for like almost 2 minutes, the last 2 minutes of the round. Really really went hard at him and and it seemed like maybe he might be taking over, but Hooker came back, started hurting Ramirez. There, I, I would say before the knockout, there were more moments when 
Ramirez looked like he, oh, that might have hurt. Did that wobble him a little bit? Oh, he, oh, that body shot. He felt that. There were more of those moments, and there were sh- some outrageous, hellacious, sharp punches from Hooker that you that that you could have talked yourself into, hmm, a few more rounds of this, and maybe Ramirez goes down or gets hurt or or gets stopped late in this fight. But that's the thing with Jose Ramirez, man. He is so... I, he, you watch him, his talent doesn't jump off the screen. You don't always rate him as highly as the uh, the other top 140-pound fighters. The other guys, you think them as elite, world-class, either established talent. Uh, I mean, he's a champion. He's not like a, a prospect anymore. But he also don't think of Ramirez as a guy who's been around forever, like Would you some, say, some grizzled veteran. Although the comparison in styles and fighting isn't there, but the comparison in how people look at him like it's almost like a Danny Garcia thing where you, where it took him He's a easy to underrate. Okay. Even though And Garcia and, has elite power at least. Does Ramirez have elite true. anything? I don't I know he's he's sort of like a bees across the board type fighter when you just I test him. However, I I think you could say this in a lot of cases about Danny Garcia, the the intangibles and the ability to just pull out what you know enough to win a fight is really there it's there in spades with ramirez like if you think of so he so struggled his, his a bit in that fight this is where you're going right just his look what? at the stiffness and the frequency wow <laughs> yes yes i'm talking about stiffness here brian um you go back to that fight we watched in fresno he struggled in that that was close hey, some people scored it against him yes. yeah and and that was against a much different opponent a much tri- a southpaw a, a a guy who was very like a tricky counterpuncher moved really really gave kind of kind of kind of messed with with ramirez's flow a little bit but Late in that fight, you saw Ramirez pulling rounds out, really working the body, just sort of gritting it out so that, hey, it was a close fight. Maybe you don't think that he won it, but you wouldn't call it a robbery. You wouldn't have been – or you can see the scorecards in his favor due to activity, due to um, some big punches he landed late. He just gets in there and works, and that's what he did with Hooker. He kept kind of chipping away, kept – kept uh yeah, kept working on that rock until it cracked. Kept working, kept going to the body, kept going upstairs, mixing it up, giving him angles, moving his head. And sounds like an old school fight. I'm 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 surprised you called it fight of the year. I I hadn't heard that same type of response. Now I'm gonna rush back and watch it, Rafe. I've been busy. You have I've to. Been, it's close. It's it's. I I don't know if I call it the I, look. I th- I think still you're looking at. Joshua Ruiz as the fight of the year, just in, on on account of the magnitude of it. Well, don't forget about Lipinets Peterson. Why do you hate that Great. fight? I, I I got so many different disrespectful things to say. Hey, how about, about Pat Thurman that. as a fight of the year contender? Both no? both up there. Both the, I look. I think they've the both and and as well as uh, Heard Williams. Those are oh, those Williams are probably all better. Be the, well, that was a little more one side. Look, they're yeah. all better fights. Yeah, but. When you look, when you have that kind of heavyweight fight, it's just one of those things that that people are gonna look at and say, "Oh my God, we got it, we got to go with the heavyweights." Yeah, um, yeah. I guess, and, I guess so, what, hey, in did any you case, hear that? Uh, I know it's way old news now, but Joey Dewedgeko, uh apparently, like 
knocked out AJ in the Why are you talking about this now? We don't what did you just hear that this no, week, bro? No, I don't think we ever talked about it on the show though. All right, forget it. Let's get back to talk about hookers. Guys who can't <laughs> fight out of a crouch are at a disadvantage against hookers like this. All right, but against this hooker, uh Ramirez did not have a disadvantage. I want to get your thoughts on the stoppage because did you see this video that Christina Poncher captured inside the locker room when Hooker and Ramirez ex- uh hugged and Hooker said to him, quote, two fighters died this week, and I didn't want to be the third. The ref did the right thing because I was hurt. That's Mo Hooker talking. Your thoughts? I hadn't. Um, I, I read that quote, didn't watch that video yet. But look, that, that makes sense. And I thought so. It's it's an interesting sort of side by side because we were I was criticizing the Harvey Doc stoppage in the Davis Nunez fight earlier. And this, in terms of the number of punches thrown, landed, the number of seconds that elapsed, they're pretty similar. But this one felt like the real deal. This felt like that you could see just the way that um, Jose Ramirez, once he landed that left hook that hurt Hooker and sent him reeling back to the ropes, I, I give the credit to Ramirez for coming up with an for just outstanding finishing flurry where he left, he was on top of him immediately landing three, uh, just a, a quick combination right away, catching him while he was hurt and hurting him worse. That made it look like he was helpless and out of the fight and needed to be stopped. And so I think that stoppage was, was good. And I'm not surprised that, that hooker agrees. Yeah. I, all right, uh, you know, I, I was ill-prepared for this, but uh, I hear great things about this fight. Heard it was fantastic. Went back and watched it, found out it was fantastic, so I will riff with you offline about that. Wow, do I feel unprepared about that one. Rafe, um, let's get into this Dillian White thing. A little bit more than a week ago, same weekend as uh, Pacquiao Thurman. Dillian White in England defeats Oscar Rivas, who was unbeaten. A pretty good action fight. White gets up off the canvas in round nine and pretty much cements himself in the spot he already was as sort of the next, the number one contender in waiting, I think specifically for the WBC. But basically, whoever's next to get a really big title fight at a heavyweight, it's certainly Dillian White who deserves it. He's been lingering for a while. And then all hell broke loose, Rafe. We find out White failed a drug test for two separate steroid trace amounts. We find out that Eddie Hearn and the British Boxing Board knew about this ahead of the fight, had a hearing about it, deemed him somehow cleared to fight, and never told Revis's team about what's going on, Rafe. Wow, now this looks pretty damn corrupt. Suddenly you got Dillian White tweeting that he's going to sue people for, for for the stuff that came out. He didn't like Boxing Scene's original report on that. Oh, we got a lot of stuff going on here. Um, this sounds negligent to me. Like, I know Eric Morales failed that test for tainted beef, and but Danny Garcia knew about it. They wanted that fight to go on. They didn't want to lose the payday. He still sent him to hell, Rafe. This was a totally different story. This seems real sketchy. What do you got? Yes, it's, it is very sketchy. It seems like an issue with the BBBOC, the British Board of Boxing Control, which whatever their policies are. And that's something that I would, I, I I'm hoping that maybe that our, our colleagues on the other side of the pond can, can help us understand better. Cause we have a pretty good idea of how testing protocols work 
he uh, in U.S. commissions and when Vada is brought in, when USADA used to be brought in, we we sort of know the the routine there. When someone tests positive, who's who's alerted? What happens? There are a few incidences now in the U.K. where there is this this difficult to understand from our point of view la- time lapse between a positive test and then when the news comes out officially. If you go back, if you think back to Tyson Fury when he tested positive for his performance, uh, his his banned substances, that came out shortly after the news came out shortly after the Vladimir Klitschko fight. And it turned out that that wasn't even the fight that he tested positive for. He had tested positive for the Christian Hammer fight yeah. months and months before. Uh, this there's this – and 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 that uh, – so there's some flaw in the BBBOC system in, in how they – and I, I think it probably comes from a place of them wanting to protect the rights and reputation of someone who who – there they think is a due process issue where you're you're allowed to go and give present your case, your side of the case and then the BBBOC will go and and adjudicate it decide what who you know whether they believe you or not whether and what the punishment should be and that they won't release the story until the whole process is through but obviously that system does not work for boxing in a case like this or in any case where it could lead to a fight going on between someone who just tested positive for a banned substance with an opponent at all, period. It's and even worse, with an opponent who doesn't know what what, what he's walking in there And against. then to, to have Eddie Hearn play it the way he did of just saying, well, look, they made their decision. What do you want me to do? No, because, look, if, if this was Anthony Joshua, it, it'd be a completely different scenario. We don't know, Brian. We, but the thing is, we don't know if he, if, if the, he may be legally bound not to – not to not to reveal that information if there's this ongoing procedure. If that's the British Board of Boxing Control policy, then what can he? How is he really supposed to to change that? I mean, I guess on a pure moral right and wrong level, you can say, well, shoot, he should see that some things are bigger than the rules, and that these rules, if if they are this way, are clearly wrong, and he should just do the right thing. Okay, I hear you. That that would be the right thing. But when there's this process in place that might be restraining him from doing that, I, I see where that comes, where, how that's possible. To sort of double down on the potential bad feeling in our mouths slash possible corruptness, did you see the report that came out from your colleague, Mike Coppinger of The Athletic Rafe, about the whole glove situation, that both fighters had their gloves approved? Last minute, Dillian White shows up with a different pair of gloves. Russ Anber, the cut man, corner man of Oscar Rivas, panics, of course, says, well, you got to take those gloves off. We got to inspect those. Commission denies him. And then they go through with the fight. And afterwards, the commission denied his attempt to check the gloves afterwards as well. Rafe, uh, if that's even like 60% true, I'm telling Andy Ruiz Jr., you don't have much control when it comes to this Eje rematch. Do not fight in England. This is a bad look. Yeah, well, the, look, that is as bad, perhaps worse than the whole PD snafu. Um, that that there's and there's no excuse for that one. That like you can come up with, or there may be these. You, you can blame a flawed system or a flawed process for what happened with the 
banned substances. But this was just a, a, a to to not allow the opposing camp an opportunity to. I think I know what you're reading right now. Um, to not allow the the opposing camp to inspect the gloves that that a fighter is wearing in the ring and and to sort of poo-poo it and blow them off as if that's not a real concern that's that's especially with so many so many instances of tampering being happening and leading to really really dire consequences throughout the history of the sport that is truly inexcusable and something that 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 they they should come clean about explain what the heck their side of the story is with that because it's effed up yeah yeah i don't like it at all i really want to see something change after this something i mean look Boxing is is where's Paulie? Can we bring Paulie in here? Boxing is full of shit, man. I used to love Assuming. Hey, I got a chance to work with Paulie this weekend on the uh, Showtime weigh-in. Uh, fantastic, good times. I, I and I saw his side piece, by the way, Rafe. I didn't brag about looking or taking, but wow. All right, Paulie. Uh, he's got game. Got game. That guy talking Italian into the phone. You know, he's a nice man. Um. All right. Uh, Rafe Floyd Mayweather Manny Pacquiao trading words on Twitter. They gotta be I don't fighting. Care. You think so? They gotta be fighting. Instagram, you saw that back and forth, right? Since you, we last d- doesn't Floyd Floyd still does this with Connor sometimes, doesn't he? Floyd likes uh, yeah, it's possible. I could see it happening. And if it happens, I don't have any big problem with that fight. I'm curious. I'd like to see it. But I don't I I don't care what they say on the social media. I don't really care about the negotiations. Whether they have them or not, I don't care every single step of every piece of business that happens in boxing. You don't need to report that to me because I don't care. I don't care, I don't about, care about, about their people. Yeah. I don't care about his people. I don't care about his family. I don't care about them. Thank you, Angel. At least somebody got the score right. I don't care. I do. So Rafe. if they make the fight, make the fight. If I they can't don't, believe we're back here. I remember when Maypac 1 happened, I remember being like, I can't believe we actually got here because of Pacquiao getting knocked out by Marquez and everything that happened. I can't believe we're back to this point where I not only want it, I need this fight, Rafe. I need it. I'm hooked. They got me. I'm drunk on it. When they go back and forth, I get giddy. It's okay. It is. It's me. It happened. I do care. I need this fight. Tell me when it will happen. Tell me how many pay-per-view buys. Go ahead. Come on. Tell me. I need it. Well, it happens next May. Yes. So that would be a full five five year anniversary weekend of the original fight. True. And it that really breaks five years. Twenty fifteen. That's wow. crazy, right? Wow. Yeah. Wow. We're old. Um, and it breaks all pay per view records. Whoa. <laughs> that's See, probably not true, but no, I'll go there. I don't care. True, if it happens, I'll ride with it. We didn't think it was going to do four point, what did it do? Four point six. We didn't think it would do four point six, right? We we were thinking, okay, it'll do over three, you know, whatever. Um, I think it's going to clear three on the rematch, easy. I'm I'm interested to see how how juicy they could get it. People are going to care. Anyone that saw Pacquiao, they're going to care again for many many different reasons. All right, Rafe. Uh, hey, let's get into uh, Young Holy here, Evan Holyfield, not Evan Fields, Evan Holyfield. The son of the great Evander. We got a chat with him coming your way. Evan Holyfield, young Holy in the house. How are you, man? Man, how's it going, Brian? It's going great. You turning pro has me, has a lot of people fired the heck up. 
Is this process Man. as crazy exciting for you as well? Yes, sir. It's got me fired up too. Uh, I'm just really excited, you know, to actually go into the next chapter because, you know, I've been an amateur boxer for a while and this is crazy how at one point in time I was in high school watching boxing videos during class and now I'm actually, you know, this is my job. That's not awesome. my job, you know. Well, technically it is my job, but it don't feel like one. <laughs> not yet. Yeah. If it, this is, you're 21 years old, going to turn pro at 154 pounds. And the son of greatness, the Hall of Famer, Evander Holyfield, the guy that so many of us love, grew up watching, are still inspired by today for for what what your dad's sort of, I guess what his message is, story, never give up, always overcoming. How much has that influenced you as his son in terms of getting into boxing and not following his footsteps, but certainly had a, a great model to look up to? Oh, yeah, for certain, um, you know, that's um. Just him being my dad, he instilled that in all of us. It's not giving up because every um every road to where you want to go is it's not for certain is not a straight road. So um, you know that's the name of the game: is persevering, and um, that's just what he taught us. You know, since growing up, going through life, not just sports, you can um really put um a lot of those things you learn in boxing is just put it to life. You know, the life skills. I agree with that. Every time I interview your pops, I, I, I feel like I come out of there inspired. But, you know, it, it's great. You you have the Holyfield name. That's certainly going to help you. But a lot of fighters who are the son of or related to another big name, sometimes they feel like they're in that shadow. For you, I know you're just turning pro, but you've carried that name your whole life. Is there ever any extra pressure? Is there ever any times where maybe you'd like to be Evan Smith and not have the spotlight on you as much? Oh, no, um, I can't act, you know, for a certain, you know, it's probably comes with pressure, you know, from the outside, it may look like that, but, you know, I was born in, I was born into this, not more so into the sport, but I was born with the name. So, you know, I've never been treated any differently than, you know, what I am now. So I just go out there and just do what I have to do. And I know when people hear the name and stuff like that, and, you know, they're going against me. I know they're going to bring their best. So when they bring their best, at least when I beat them, there's no excuses about. Absolutely. Now, when you're young and your dad's still an active fighter, was this always a dream for you to, to, to become a pro boxer? How did that sort of manifest itself inside of you? Um, when I was younger, actually, I actually really wasn't all that into boxing. I had my first fight when I was eight. So when I had that first fight, and everything I won, you know, I knocked this guy down and stuff, you know, around the age of eight. Like, I still enjoyed it and stuff like that, but I really wasn't um all that serious because, you know, I, I was eight, you know, and at that time, you know, they try to, you, you know, you know how they, how they goes in, like, it's like younger sports, you know, when you win or lose, you know, if you lose, you still get a trophy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the win really doesn't mean all that to you and stuff like that. So my mom took me out of that, and I played all these other sports. Um and stuff but once I hit the age of 13 and I was about to go into high school that's really when I wanted to really just focus on my one on my one sport because you know I under, I had the understanding of you know when these kids go into high school for football and baseball and basketball and whatnot you know it's their four years of investment to you know go into college you know their college is the next level of the sports and I understood that um, that I had to put all my marbles in one basket if I wanted to get anywhere special, and that's just you know just be somewhere in between. So I put all my marbles in that one basket, and that's really when um, I started 
having a passion for it. And I was around like 13, 14, and I was really getting um, – I was getting way more competitive than what, you know, than what I was, you know, when I was certainly the age of eight. You know, I was all about, you know, I'd rather, you know, die than lose, you know, type type of a deal, sure. you know. That's how I kind of like used to know feeling. And when I had that um that drive about me, I just feels like, you know, not really too much can get in, in between, you know, at that and my mission. That's really inspiring stuff. I love that. I love the focus. I love the the intensity there. And when you're the the son of any father, I mean, if your dad owns a store, you may look at the business world as something that's just natural to you. It's easy. So even though you're a fighter who's gone through the amateur system and you're evolved and every year you're adding new skills, what elements of boxing do you feel have come natural to you because it's sort of been the family business since day one? I mean, I know for certain, you know, I guess my heart, but heart's not nothing you really can buy or really teach anybody. I just feel like, you know, you're kind of born with it and, you know, coming up in my first, you know, 20 or 30 fights, you know, so, you know, I probably had a couple tough ones because I wasn't always, you know, the best in the ring skillful-wise, but I was always the one that, you know, worked the hardest, you know, and I, you know, I do that in the gym. I take pride in my work ethic and stuff. Um, so I feel like, you know, if anything, you know, that was passed down, you know, I've never seen my dad slack off anything. Um, he's always gave his hundred to, you know, anything um, to do with the sport inside the ring or outside the ring. So I guess, you know, you could say that got passed down. But, you know, at the end of the day, he can't get in there. He can't make me work out. And, you know, he's not going to be in there taking those punches. So um, he always just let me know you can't expect to get out what you don't put in, you know. So that's how I feel about that. I love that. I love that hard work. Now, how are you a different? How what, tell me about Evan Holyfield, the fire fighter. What kind of style? What kind of uh, what kind of feel do you have in the ring? What should we expect as we start to watch you rise in the pro ranks? Man, um, what I could really say is, you know, some people say I, I kind of move a, a little bit on um, like my father and stuff, but um, I know the biggest difference between us two is, you know, my dad when he got hit hard, he go um, pretty much into like you know fight mode, warrior mode. You know, he's going to get you out of there, you know, right then and right there. And um, it don't matter what you get him with, he's going to keep on coming. But I feel like I'm more so of a thinker. Uh, I'm faster. You know, I can move. I can box. And when I got to bite down, I could do that. I could do a little bit of everything. Um, but um, what I do or how I really came about with my style is I watch a lot of boxing. I've been watching boxing for, you know, well, I've really been studying boxing since like the age of like 13, 14 I have a couple of favorite fighters, you know, I steal something, I may steal something from like, you know, Sugar Ray Leonard, I may steal something from Manny Pacquiao, and I, you know, I, I merge it everything, and I put it into this big old ball, and I mix it all up, and I make it into something of my own, so, um, that's what I do, you know, I watch my dad's films too, you know, he taught me a couple, a couple cool tricks and stuff, but, um, really, it's just making everything, it's just making it into a melting pot, making something that works for myself, um, not really what works for other people. Sure, for sure. We know you train in Houston under the tutelage of Tiger Watkins. How soon can we... Turn my, turn my walking. <laughs> oh, sorry. I read, I read that wrong. Uh, how soon do you, uh, I don't know, expect to 
to be on the scene because we've seen different launches of guys in pro careers. For example, Oscar De La Hoya, when he turned pro, he was the golden boy. He was the gold medal winner. It seemed like every one of his fights were televised. Are you looking to sort of make that type of early splash where where we're going to see you early and often televised fights, getting a big push, or is it going to take some time to really to really build your name and, and get going in that regard? Uh, that's an interesting question. Um, that's really um up to my promoters, really. But I'm all for everything. I've been around the sport for a long time. Um, would it be my first time fighting um on TV or anything like that? So. Um, with these plans that they're talking about and um, they're letting me know, it sounds like, you know, that could possibly be it. Um, but, you know, it's it's a one night at a time um, type of affair, you know. So we take it one day at a time. And, you know, cameras or not, you know, I'm still going to be in there to do my job, and that's um, the win. Mm-hmm. Now, people fight for, obviously, different reasons. It could be many reasons together. There's fame, there's money, there's glory. There's a lot of things that boxing can offer you. What's really the main thing driving you to enter this profession? Um, really, it's just like it's just something that's always been me. I know when I when I step in that ring, I'm representing more than just you know just a name. I'm representing myself. I'm representing my team, and um, I really take pride into that. And really, it's one of those sports, like I said um, before, is what you put in, what you put out. And um, I really do put a lot of stuff into this and uh, emotionally, physically, spiritually. And um, I really don't, um, let me think, let me think. This is like, I I fight for, you know, it's like, you know, when you step in the ring, you're the only person inside that ring. Um, And then once you step out, you know, it gives you the um, ability to help other people and stuff like that with um, what you earn from the fight and stuff like that. Um, and that's really what I'm fighting for, to take care of my family and um, just to help the community out and stuff like that. I can feel that. Now, look, you're talking to an Evander Holyfield super fan right here. I came up at the right time. I'm sure there's some super fans in the Holyfield house in general. What fight do you love? What do you reach for? What pops you when you look back at Dad's career? Man, the best fight... Man, there's a couple fights I, I actually like, but I feel like one of my one of my favorite fights where I seen him really dig deep, where it was like you know, where it looked like it could really be a scenario for everybody. You know, it's like life. Um, I want to say it's the Kawi Hojo versus Kawi, the first one. Yes. And you know, it was he went like 15 rounds. He fought 15 rounds, and it was just kind of like how life goes for some of us. You know. Um, you may have something in front of you and you may not be sure if you can really do it. And, you know, of course, you know, you gotta, the first step is really just taking that, taking that leap and that, and that step to actually try and do something like that. And that's what he did. You know, he, he took a chance to um, become a champion and, you know, during the middle of the fight, he realized, you know, he's kind of tired, you know, he may want to quit, but you know what he did? He kept on doing it. And that's how life is. You know, when you get, something doesn't go your way, you just can't quit. And, you know, he persevered and he did what he had to do. And at the end of the 15 rounds, he became the champ, you know, and that's really, that's really how life can be sometimes. You know, you got that left row, you got the right road and give up or continue on. And that can, you could be a champion of your life or you can be, you know, the opponent. And that's, that's, that's really why I like to fight. And really it's just like how he pushed through it. You know, because I probably will be inside one of those situations in, in, the, in the ring 
And I always could think back to that, to the time he really, he really pushed through, the time he really, he really thought he was going to die, and he just went out there and did it. Wow. Wow. You got me fired up right there. I was thinking back through the catalog myself. That's a great one. I always look at his first loss to Riddick Bowe and the heart he showed in that fight, getting dropped oh, but yeah. getting up, drool hanging from his mouth, and backing Bowe up against the ropes. And that was one of those almost moral victory nights where, okay, Lost the decision, lost that setback, but I think that was the night Dad gained the real respect from people. Great career, a lot of great moments. Can't wait to see the chapters that Young Holy puts out himself. Evan Holyfield turning pro, 154 pounds. He got us fired up, man. I wish you a lot of luck. It's been a blast talking to you. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, Rafe, we are back. Uh, I'm cheering for this guy. Evan Holyfield, is it Young Holy? Maybe not the best nickname ever, Y-U-N-G, Young Holy, but I'm fired up for him, Rafe. I, I, I love his attitude. I love how he models his father's warrior spirit. Um, I love his daddy. I love talking to him about favorite moments of his daddy's career. Rafe, um, what's your favorite Evander Holyfield fight, moment, anything? Obvious, Brian, obvious. One, because I love cruiserweights, and two, because it is one of my favorite fights ever, ever, Brian. Kawi. Holyfield won. Yes. What a war. I And also, I remember I watched it on ESPN Classic. Call me a casual. I didn't really know much about Dwight Muhammad Kawi before I watched that fight. And he, for, he immediately became up there with like my favorite fighters of all time. Just that style, being able to pull that off at like five foot six just made no kind of sense. And it was – just amazing. It's like shows you there's so many different ways to fight, to to be a really good boxer. And it, and as long as a guy figures out a style that works and perfects it, oh my god, it, it was just so so. I mean, it was an amazing back and forth fight, and and just watching it, I, I'm falling in love. I mean, I oh, I love that fight. Evan picked the same moment. Great to see right there. Um, hey, good for main events, right? We love some main events. Main events had a great run. You know, uh, had some of the best fighters of the, of the modern era. And that run is still going on, obviously. They've got Sergey Kovalev, but you, you see them trying to find the next thing, the next marketable fighter, the next big champion. And it's good to see them get someone who people are going to want to see. So I'm going to look forward to seeing Evan Holyfield's ride at 154 and see where this goes. Um, Speaking of Kovalev, Rafe, um. <laughs> good for main events. Speaking of good for main events. Yeah, your colleague Mike Coppinger at The Athletic just uh, reported coming in, uh, breaking news here that uh, Kovalev was a, reportedly removed from a flight July 15th for putting his hand on a woman and throwing money at her. Um, I mean, I guess that is what it is. Doesn't sound good. Allegedly kissing her. Um, I don't think you have much comment on that. It happened, apparently. We'll find out where it goes from there. But uh, where are we at Canelo Gate? Because this thing won't <laughs> die. Where, you know, is Canelo fighting Kovalev? Is he now going to take on Sergei Derevchenko, the, the mechanic, or the what's his name? The uh, the damn, um, you know, what's the guy's nickname? Yeah, I know exactly. I forget his nickname, though. It's like the, the technician. The, yeah. Um, the text technique because like, he's a was, technician. Was Golden Boy and Canelo pulling out, quote unquote, of that September date just to try to get Kovalev's price down? Is and now main events saying Kovalev's out of that fight completely because 
Canelo's waited too long. Um, I don't know. What's what the hell is Big Red doing here? Big Red is is waving around that big stick, man. Yeah. He, Canelo yeah. has a stick. Yeah, yeah, he does. All right, there it is. All right, thank you. Okay, uh, was Rafe, I waiting? I was waiting for a drop. Anyway, I, I, no, I'm I, not. I've lost my touch. Okay, Rafe, all right, all right. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, Stop touching me. All right, just leave me. Please leave me alone, this week, Brian. I've got problems. Um, all right, Canelo. We all have problems, Thank you, right? Rich. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> um, no, I think uh, it was, you know, Canelo is doing his power play. He is making it clear to DAZN that they do not dictate to him who he fights and when, that they are lucky to be in his presence, and that when Canelo wants to fight, he will fight someone. And you know what? On some level, Canelo doesn't take soft touches, really. I mean, the Rocky Fielding fight, but the man, he, he gets decisions that he may not always deserve in the eyes of the boxing public all right you can hate him for that but you can't really hate him for his choice of opponents the guy takes on real challenges and i'd like the dervinchenko fight as a hardcore that's even not a bad fight that is not a bad fight dervinchenko will come in there and try and win and he'll make probably make canelo knock him out that'll be exciting don't be surprised if canelo says you know what player i've been i've been running the streets fighting you know, you twice fighting Danny Jacobs, moving up in weight. He has a stick on him. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's what's happening in there. And they're scrambling, trying to figure out who it's going to be. I I, I want Canelo to fight. I'm, uh, I've come around 180. I still, I, I, heel Canelo is a real thing. I once upon a time was a hardcore Canelo hater thought he was overrated. That was so wrong. So, so wrong. I love this full circle turn you you have on big red here. I mean, you might it's as like, well become... you know, it's like I went from hating Kobe to loving Kobe to hating Kobe. Yeah. So I'm going to hate Canelo again someday, but right now I love him. I think he does the heel thing. Amazing. I think that he's a really just such an excellent fighter. I want to see him in the ring. I don't really, all of those, He's not talking about fighting anybody who pisses me off. Is would I like to see the the, the third Triple G fight most? Yes. Thank you. I like the Canelo fight. I like Dervinchenko. If somebody goes crazy and he fights Demetrius Andrade, I like that fight too, even if it turns out a little slow. I like I all those fights. Me this some guy, Canelo Alvarez. I love me some Saul Canelo Alvarez. That's what I'm trying to say right now, Brian. Oh. And I love that he's sticking it to the man. He's he, yeah, he's a pretty boy. Yeah, he's a diva, but he's not he's not no born rich suit type mother effer. And he and those are the people who are cutting his checks. And he's telling them, Nah, I'm in charge now, son. Uh, Rafe, it's weekend preview. Do you care? Time? Are you ready for this? I was born ready. Okay, Rafe. We are going to start off Thursday night, Monroeville, Pennsylvania. It's a UFC fight pass card. Eric Walker, Jose Antonio Abreu, eight rounds, junior middleweights. No, I don't care. Why? What? Where, where did that even that's come a, from? That's Brian? a Lube DeBello Broadway boxing thing. It's got that dude. Remember that the dude in the corner? Man is Ivgen Kitrov. Kitrov. Remember he used yeah, to be a big deal. He was like a Mike Tyson promoted guy. Yeah, part of the part of the whole like. Every fighter from Ukraine is going to be pitched yes. as a world beater. All movement. right. Uh, Friday night in Las Vegas. It's another UFC fight pass. It's a title fight, Rafe. 
Ava Wallstrom versus Ronica Jeffrey for Wallstrom's WBC Women's Junior Lightweight title. Do you care? I care, Brian. I'm all in on this bout. I love me some Ava Canelo Wallstrom. <laughs> Friday night in Kissimmee, Florida, and on Telemundo, Yomar Alamo versus Miguel Angel Martin. Brave, we don't. What am I even? Yo, 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 yo. Is one of those guys Filipino? Um, with Yomar who? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Friday night, Bangkok, Thailand, probably in the afternoon, Rafe. We got a title fight. Knockout oh. CP Freshmart versus R.R. Andalese. His name is A-R-A-R. Um, 12 rounds for Freshmart's WBA strawweight title. Well, I, I care because I care about Thailand guys fighting. I care. <laughs> yo, 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 relax. Uh, Friday on DAZN, Rafe, Liverpool, England. Anthony Fowler versus Brian the Lion Rose. Ten rounds, junior middleweights. Oh, my God. Brian the Lion Rose again, man? Again? Oh, <laughs> uh, the Sandman Lewis Ritson's in that co-main, but his, oh, opponent I care. Joe, I'm in. his opponent Joe Hughes just fell out. Not sure what they were going to do there. Um, Saturday, this says MTK Global written all over it. It's a good one. No, no, this is a top rank. What am I talking about? ESPN Plus, Belfast, Northern Ireland. Michael Conlon against Diego Alberto Ruiz. Ten rounds, featherweights. Um, nah, not really. Uh, Patty Gallagher versus Chris Jenkins. Twelve rounds, co-main for the vacant Commonwealth welter. Uh, Chris Jenkins, dude from Villanova. Louis, Louis Cuba Arias is on that card against Luke Keeler. <laughs> I remember all of his fine collaborations with with, uh, yeah. with Gabriel Rosado uh, and Daniel Jacobs. Steve Collins Jr. No, all right, Rafe. This sucks. Let's get to Friday, Saturday night on Fox, Barclays Center, Brooklyn. New York, Big Fox. They're going to bang. There's heavyweights. Adam Kovnatsky unbeaten versus Chris Ariola. And let's hear right now from Kovnatsky, a good dude, coming right at you. Enjoy. Tell us, who's Adam Kovnatsky? I was born in Warsaw, Poland. Raised in uh, Brooklyn, New York. Came to the States when I was seven. And I uh, lived the American dream, you know, to become uh, the fo- first Polish born heavyweight champion in the world. When did this dream start for you? Uh, watching Andrew Galata fight, uh, he was uh, also Polish born, born. So we related. I related to him that way, and uh, watching him, I, I could do this, you know. And uh, eight or fifteen, I found a gym close to my house, started training, and uh, the rest is history. What do you think of the heavyweight division right now? Uh, it's very exciting. I think the heavyweight, I think the heavyweight division is uh, full of a lot of great fighters, a lot of exciting fights that, that will be made, and I'm just excited to be a part of it. Make it your goal, you know, as a young kid to, to go after this dream. What were some of the, the obstacles in the way to get to this point? Uh, just finding people to believe in me. And um, that was maybe the hardest thing. Uh, so I, starting off, I had to get fights by myself. I was calling local promoters. Being, uh, I'll sell tickets. Just put me on the show. Just put me on the show. And uh, my first four uh, couple of fights were like that. Then... Uh, then I uh, had a couple of fights with like a small time promoter and I had an injury. I broke my hand, had two years off, put on a lot of weight. And then um, I had a came, came back and uh, PBC came around, you know, uh, they were looking for fighters. I got a call saying, yo, we want to work with you from Al Heyman. And I was like, I have a fight lined up. 
if I win this fight, I'll definitely uh, pick you up on the offer. So I knocked out Charles Ellis in uh, five rounds and then uh, signed with Al Now you mentioned what you just said, though. You were like, I'll sell tickets. You have an insane fan base. They're loud. They're aggressive. They're What is going on with Polish boxing right now? Uh, Polish boxing in general is a little bit like on the downside. You know, I think I'm the... I'm the only fight that's kind of left right now in the top top ten. Uh, a lot of other guys just just lost, got beat. So uh, I got to carry on my back. But uh, you know, um, I mean, even though I was born in Poland, I love the country to death. Uh, I got New York on my back too. You know, uh, Brooklyn needs a heavyweight champion. New York needs a heavyweight champion, and uh, I think I want to be the guy to do it. How do you describe this pack of, of Polish fans that follow you to all these fights? It's it's a, it's a community. Uh, I think everything starts off. Within the community, so uh, all the Polish fans uh, that I grew up with were friends from Greenpoint. They started coming to my first amateur fights, and then uh, when I turned pro, they kept following me, and they just kept getting bigger. It's like, yo, this kid Adam, he he could fight. Uh, he's good. He, he keeps winning. And then a friend came, a friend of a friend, friend of a friend, a cousin, and they just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. What's at stake for you in this fight, Uh Everything. Uh, a win sets me a step closer to getting a title shot. A loss sets me back, uh, something I can't really think about. So I got to go in, do my job, and win the fight. After your last win, you called out Deontay Wilder. You're, you're calling out anybody who's got a belt, it seems like. Uh, why is it your time right now? Uh, I think uh, I'm just ready. Uh, I put a lot of hard work into this. I think with every fight, I'm keeping closer. Plus, uh Every opponent me and Deontay Wilder had in common, uh, I knocked him out faster than he did. So I'm looking to do the same on August 3rd. So tell me about Deontay Wilder. Uh, Slim Jim, huh? He's tall, lanky, but got a, he got a good right hand. So, uh, But other than that, I think he's very wild, and uh, I think he's very beatable, too. Yeah, how, when did you first form this opinion that you sort of have the formula to, to take him out? Uh... Always, I think I'm the best heavyweight out there. I just haven't been given the the opportunity to prove myself. Uh, I've been winning fight by fight. That position was keeps getting better and better. And uh, when I get a chance to fight one of the champions, I'm gonna prove uh, why I am the best. All right, I like your confidence. You said you're the best heavyweight in the world. Why? I think the pressure. I think uh, I'm very dealing with the amount of punches and the punishment I bring is is very hard for everybody to deal with. All right, Adam, I've seen people refer to you as dad bod, as baby-faced fighter. They call you a lot of different names. What does that mean to you? I'm nothing. I'm just focused on myself and uh, getting the job done, which is uh, the main key. But uh, Andy Ruiz just proved uh, that dad bod is in style for this summer. So uh, <laughs> that, that's the look. Do you feel like you have some uh, similarities to Ruiz in terms of style or ability? Uh... I mean, we're both tough fighters, and we put a lot of heart into every match we fight. So I think that's the main main key. What about that idea that people look at you and they think one thing, but then you're totally different when the fight starts? Has that been something that you've dealt with your whole career? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think dealing with the dad bod was something I dealt with my whole career. But uh, the last couple of fights were televised, so the secret is out of the bag, you know, that, that this kid could fight. All right, this division has... You know, you're a big guy, but this division has some super heavyweights in terms of height, size, punching power. 
can you hang with with the type of power you're going to see on the very elite level against the the wilders and those type of guys yeah i mean of course i think i can hang with these guys you know uh, i'm improving that fight after fight and we'll keep continuing continue to do that all right tell me about chris Ariola. chris Ariola, uh, great veteran of the sport I remember even watching him as an amateur, you know, growing up. Uh, every time he fought, I, I had to tune in because he was so exciting. And uh, I think our styles are perfectly matched for each other to make a fight that would probably make a legendary night, you know. Um, I think it could be a kind of fight where we watched uh, Gotti and Ward fight, you know. I think it would be a action-packed fight. And I, I truly, as, as, I, I wish I could watch it from the sidelines, which I definitely will after, after the fight's over. Tell me about being in, being in a in a war in a brawl. Do you like it? What's it like? Yeah, I think it's. I, lo- I love fighting. You know, hard. Uh, I, I love uh, the, that uh, the mentality of going and fighting and putting on a good show, making the fans are ha- making sure the fans are happy and they get their money's worth. What's going through your head when you're in the middle of that? And you're trading and you're giving and there's blood and it's the crowd's going insane. Uh, it's an amazing feeling, like you're in a flow state, you know, you're, uh, you just focus on the victory and making sure you could uh, outlast uh, your opponent. You just break him in half, you know, making sure his, his, uh, he, he can't do it no more, you know, that he wants to quit. What, what makes you survive in those situations where other guys crumble? Uh, I think my family, you know, uh, do, knowing that I'm doing this for something more than just me. Who are you doing it for? I'm doing it for my family. I'm doing it for my uh, for my son that's on his way, for for my for my parents, for my brothers, and my lovely wife. You know, your firstborn child is coming right around the time of this fight. How does that change your preparation, your mindset? Uh, my with my son being with my son coming to this world, it gives me extra motivation. Uh extra motivation to train harder, make sure I get ready, and uh, maybe step, switch up my style a little bit and be more defensive, you know? <laughs> what? Did, is that something that anyone has gotten on you about, saying, we know you can brawl, but maybe you want to pull back a little? Talk about that. Uh, people always say, oh, you got to move your head and be more defensive, but I love to fight. I love to go forward and make an uh, action-packed packed fight, you know? How far away are you from a title shot? I don't know what else I have to do to get a title shot. I mean, I'm beating everybody that Deontay Wilder beat. I'm beating them in half the time. Making, I think I deserve a title shot, you know. I think it's on the way. And I think if I beat Chris Ariola August 3rd, I'm going to get it. You know, you mentioned that you're sort of carrying the banner right now for Polish fighters. Polish fighters have a great history, but you're the, the one right now. What does it mean to represent that that flag, those people? Yeah, you know, wearing uh, the white, white uh, wearing the red and white colors means a lot. You know, uh, that's where I was born. That's where my family is from. So uh, it means everything to be the first Polish-born heavyweight champion in the world. We had uh, there were like I think uh, six fighters that tried it, and none of them uh, accomplished it. So I'll be the first to do it. All right, special thanks to the baby-faced dad bod assassin himself, Adam Kovnatsky. Rafe, t- t- give me reasons why I shouldn't love this guy. He wants Wilder. Wilder won't face him because he's got bigger fish. So what he's doing is going on a tour of knocking out Wilder's opponents that he already beat faster than Wilder did. Rafe, you can't hate on that, right? I mean, he went in there and beat Archer Spielka faster than Wilder did. Let's bring in Peter Fury for thoughts on that. I don't read much into it. Spielka is 
got a chin like a piece of toilet roll. So basically, kind of really loved it. All right. He's got a chin like a toilet roll. Um, anyway, Rafe. It's soft, Brian. It's soft. You want your toilet paper to be soft when you get it all up in there. Uh, Rafe, we know Kovnatsky's going to beat Chris Gariola here, most likely. But the idea that they're both saying it's going to be a war. You didn't watch PBC face-to-face. It was fun. They're talking Gotti Ward. They're talking this is going to be a war. It's going to be a fun Saturday Night Fox event for sure. But are you subscribing to the belief in which Kovnatsky told me on this show that he is the guy who can beat Wilder? And when he first said this in the ring after his last fight, by the way, I laughed. I was like, come on, dude. You don't want that smoke. But his point of view is this, Rafe. Wilder doesn't do good with pressure. He actually pay, praised Ariola for pressuring him and lingering and getting up close. Do you agree that heavyweights in this era don't fight well on the inside? Are we, are we talking about the, the back foot game a little bit Kovnatsky here? Kovnatsky fights well on the inside. That's what he does. He gets up in your in your stomach rolls and he fights you. Is there any chance he, he makes that a fun-ass fight if he can get to that point? Well, yeah, well, we certainly have seen, and not just because Andy Ruiz Jr. is also like a rotund he- gentleman heavyweight, but we've seen that with in this era of heavyweights where there are a lot of fun fighters, a lot of good fighters, the guys at the top are very good. They're all they all have flaws that can be exploited, and there are certain kryptonite style matchups. Andy Ruiz might be that for Anthony Joshua, and yeah, I see the argument that Kaunaski can get Kovnatsky can get in there and and crowd Wilder take away his leverage to 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 land that long that that you know that huge right hand that he throws from the other side of the ring and still lands half the time um and and could give him trouble and could and could win I mean shoot these heavyweights yeah they can upset each other they're not great unbeatable fighters they're just fighters who have in some cases been protected or in some cases haven't lost yet. Um, and I could I see it? Yes. Here's the problem. Here is the problem, Brian. You and I were there. We saw a little sloppy Super Bowl action between Kovnatsky and Prince Charles Martin. Ten yes. rounds of it. Yes, we did. If he got hit that much by Prince Charles on his Prince Albert, then yes. you know. Then, Brian, I just don't see that working out for him uh, against Deontay Wilder. You can't get hit as much as Kovnatsky gets hit, even if he, he does seem to have a good chin. But you can't let heavyweights touch you like that if you're going to be fighting Deontay Wilder. I'm a person that believes in second chances. I think America is the land of second chances. Except for when it comes to this dude, Mr. Jabba the Hutt, you fat, slovenly, no good, lazy. Oh, come on, Wait, he wasn't talking about Chris Ariola, right? That is that that that's is inappropriate to say the least. Yes, Brian. that is that's assault, brother. Um, by the way, Ariola is in good shape. Says Joe, oddly enough, says Joe Goosen is teaching him defense for the first time in his career. Even though Goosen, a offensively inclined coach, as we know, um, Rafe, this is going to be entertainment. You got to like Kovnatsky to stop him. It should be fun. Uh, his son's supposed to be born any day now. We'll see if he gives us an awkward interview afterwards. A co-main event. The harvest is coming. Andre Berto against Miguel Cruz, 10 rounds welterweights. And Cruz at the press conference to announce this fight said, hey, bro, you're effing washed. It was a great moment, Rafe. That probably needs to be on the soundboard. But uh, will the harvest come on Saturday? I don't. I Do you? Cruz, I don't know if I think that Cruz is going to be the guy to stop the harvest from coming. I think that Berto is clearly past his best days. But 
I think that he probably can still beat some less. There may there still be a little bit of hashtag levels to this matchup. In which case, Berto will Berto. I think I think Berto's going to win. And wow. the problem when the problem when Berto wins, Brian, is then they immediately throw him into like the Errol Spence conversation because his name from 15 years ago. And it's like, no, 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 please, no, no, no. Let's have some respect and dignity here. Yeah, please, please, um, no. <laughs> It's uh, it's Miguel's night. Uh, Miguel Cruz is eighteen and one with twelve KOs. He's twenty nine, and if Boxrec wasn't trying to give me a virus, I'd be able to tell you who that loss came against. Um, I thought I, I bought the really good Wi-Fi. Um, all right, there's, there's a, we're, we're live. We're live, Campbell. Yeah, hold on. So it's loading still. It's loading. Rafe, this feels like remember in the mid nineties when you had like Prodigy and you tried to download a nudie pick and it would take like three days. Um, oh, I like you, that. It starts to come in piece segment yeah. by segment. You know, it's like boom, boom. boom. Oh, it comes the nip. Oh, it's coming. Comes. The nip is coming round. Okay, so he lost to Jose Cito Lopez by decision in April. Yeah, that ain't good. Yeah, yeah, that ain't good. I guess uh, this is Uncle Al giving one of his OGs. I guess a fight he can win. Uh, it's gonna be interesting. Gonna be gonna be interesting fight. Um, also on this card, Rafe fight. You you gotta see Marcus Brown in his first fight back since sending. Badu Jack to, to, to hell, stopping him, winning the title, is going to defend his WBA interim light heavyweight title against Jean Pascal, the husk of Johnny Pascal, Rave. You into this? No, I'm not into this. Poor Jean Pascal. I hope, I don't know, man. He's, a, he's just had so many bad-looking losses where he is looked. He knocked out the Egyptian magician, though. That is true. That is true. He get did he he gets to take home the Egyptian magician's bathrobe with him for yes, that. Yes, that is true. The... But Brian, I don't really, I don't as, I don't take any joy in seeing Jean Pascal look badly concussed, as seems to be the case whenever he gets put in against a good fighter. Now, yeah, uh, B Hop was in his ass uh, because you know that's how gangster he is. That's how men do. I was in your ass. All right, thank you. Uh, Rafe, also on this card, heavyweights, Carlos Negron and Brian Howard, 10 rounds. Do you care? No? I don't care. There's, there's, you haven't gotten to the bottom. I do care about another fight on this card. Showtime Curtis Stevens versus You're Wally talking, Amatoso. You are speaking my language, baby. 10 rounds, middleweights. I thought Stevens was trying to reinvent himself at 154. He's fighting former welterweight Wally Amatoso in middleweight. This is, I got to see this. I am. Yeah, I, I think that was at one point. Uh, scheduled for one fifty four. Wait, one fifty four. Maybe, maybe, maybe they decided to to back that train up a little yeah. bit. But whatever it is, I watch this. I still, I still have a lot of love for Curtis Stevens. Um, he's he's always been a fun guy to cover, to watch do weird like stunt on Instagram. Where he's always in like some exotic beach locale, living in Miami, partying, drinking champagne in hot tubs. I don't even know how he's financing it all off of a couple of HBO fights with triple g and and lemieux but shoot man good for him he's living it up he, he he's he's entertaining I, this fight might not be entertaining but whatever i i'm 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 ride or die on curtis showtime stevens thank you thank you me too uh rick this wasn't my best show you have a big dump in your pants i did i did i'll come back stronger next week thank you for joining me though that's the show for this week that's the fights for this week uh, special thanks to Young Holy, Evan Holyfield, and Adam Kovnatsky. Revisit their future collaborations. Check me out on PBC Face to Face Rave. You know how fired up I am to record the um the Spence uh, Porter episode coming up in a couple weeks. 
I would imagine you're super pumped. That's awesome, that's man. Gonna be, that's gonna be good. Did you, you know, you know what you gotta you gotta grab Kenny Porter and and, and Sean Porter at some point during this yes. and be like, yo, yo, man, you gotta tell me about that that amateur fight where you beat Alexander Usyk. That is my biggest. I need See, to learn I, everything I was about ask that. The other amateur story, Rafe. All right, no, the, the, the Floyd that? and Spence. You know my favorite. Come thing, on, right? man. I know you love that. Floyd, there's a long way from the lip to the cup. I'm sure he don't understand what that means. Thank you, Kenny. All right. Um, hey, revisit my new collaboration on Mondays. Uh, Morning Combat with Luke Thomas on Showtime. Morning Combat! Thank you. I want to say behind the gloves, but that's Michelle Joy Phelps, right? That's- I think I think you're thinking of in this corner the uh, pre the, the the now defunct ESPN Plus franchise, or maybe even the Championship Rounds, a wow. podcast that I Throwback. once had. Wow! Thank you. Um, thank you to the Irish crew. Shout out to Alex Godinez, um, ADK crew, Quality Bloke, um, a lot of our friends in the business. Shout out to Al Heyman, the go. Um, I'm a boxing fan. Yeah, shout out to Sergey. Yeah, so hold, we'll see what happens. No, no shout out to Sergey. No, 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 no. Um, I, I got nothing else. Man. You wanna, you know, you got anything? You good? You wanna, you wanna touch on it? You, you good? I'm good, Ryan. I'm good. Well, thank you for watching and listening, and we'll see you later. Okay. We are out.